You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And today we are doing kind of a roundup of feedback that we've gotten in over the past few weeks. There hasn't really been a good way to fit it into the podcast naturally, so we thought we would do its own little episode and talk about some of the great feedback that listeners have sent us from some recent episodes that we've done. Yeah, we're going back to the questions about season two episode. I think we've got a little bit of questions about season two and then some favorite season two moments. And then, you know, a couple comments about the Josh Vokey interview. And then we're going to round it out with finishing out talking about the stuff that happened in San Diego, including finally another con report or not so much about the con, but the meetup and the Nerd HQ panel. So that's that's kind of our plan for this little episode. So let's start with a comment from Justin. This is actually in response to our episode about the season two finale. We talked quite a bit about the really invasive questions that the doctors ask Sarah at the very beginning of the episode when she turns herself over to Dyad. And I mentioned that the we talked about they ask about her sexual preference and thinking that was kind of a, a not a strange question, but I, I think I mentioned that that was a question that a doctor had never asked me. And I think, Chris, you said that too. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if I said that, but yeah. Yeah. So Justin just had this comment that the FDA has had a ban on accepting blood from any men who have had sex with men since 1977. And I am aware of that. Right now, if you identify as a gay man or if you have sex with, with men, I should say more, more generally, they will not accept your blood in blood drive. So I am aware of that as to why they might ask a sexual preference type of question. But I, I, I guess I thought it was, this would still be a weird time to do it because she wasn't giving blood. Well, but I don't know. Who knows what all Dyad had planned for, I guess is <laughs> where my mind goes, you know? I guess, I guess. But I don't know. To me, I guess that question was more, I felt like they were just kind of evaluating her all at once since she had been so much out of their their reach for so long that they were just kind of gathering as much data as they could about her in that setting. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, uh, I also feel like, I don't know, granted, they're in Canada, but if you gave blood and they were trying to figure out if you were at a higher, the, the reason they ask you this is because they feel like men who have sex with men are at a higher risk of having HIV. And... But I don't feel like they'd phrase it, what is your sexual preference? But I don't know, because I'm not a man, so they've never asked me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But Justin sent some links with the email, yeah. and we can put those in the show notes. Yeah. But that is a good point, Justin. They That is a reason why they might want to know sexual preference in, in regards to that regulation that they have. And they're, they are trying to change this law, because frankly, it's very unfair. And, and uh, he did send in some links to more information, so we will include those. And then Caitlin sent us a question about the season two finale. Basically, the question is, why did no one notice that Helena was gone in the, you know, after the clone meetup and dance party? And Caitlin is very, very upset about this. There's lots of all capital letters. <laughs> there, There is some all caps statements in there. Yes. And I get it, Caitlin, because we're upset too. But I, I guess I'm less bothered by it just because Helena sort of has a pattern of randomly disappearing and reappearing later. So I, 
it's one of those things, I guess, the fact that they didn't address the fact that she was gone immediately doesn't really bother me. Now, if they went another day or so, or didn't see her by the end of that day, then I'd expect some wondering where the heck she was. But as it is, not necessarily uh, super upset about it. Because I think at that point, and Caitlin makes this point, probably the only person who might have noticed would have been Sarah. Because Kira, everybody else was sleeping. It was pretty much just Kira and Kasima who were awake, and they didn't really get out of the bed. And Kira, you know, Kira's a little girl. She might not think to wonder, oh, where did Helena go? And be really worried about it yet. Though she is very intuitive, so. But I feel like if Sarah noticed she was gone it would have been easy for her to just think, oh, maybe she went to go get food or get breakfast. Yeah, Helena leaves and comes back all the time. But if we, you know, come back in season three and it's been a week and nobody's wondered where Helena is, I will be very upset. (laughs) Pretty much. And then we got an email from Heather who, if you've listened to episode 13, Heather was a guest contributor in that episode. And she mentions from the finale questions episode that One of the commenters asked about why Henrik impregnated Helena with his sperm rather than Mark's. And so Heather was sort of speculating, I guess, that maybe the Caster clones and the Lita clones are potentially related, biologically related, made from the same DNA is actually how she phrased it. Which is a possibility. Though, personally, I'm not convinced that Henrik knew that Mark was a clone. Right. Yeah. There are a lot of variables in that entire situation, really. Right, right. But that is another good potential reason why he wouldn't have done that. So moving on to some favorite moments from season two that people sent us. We had Heather also sent in a favorite moment. And she she suggested the scene between Felix and Paul in the apartment I where Paul forces the gun into Felix's hand so that they could frame him for murder. She she calls it a very powerful scene, and, and I agree. That was a very powerful scene. It's, that's one that's really difficult to kind of get out of your head. It kind of messes with you a bit, I think. It is. It's powerful and upsetting. I'm surprised that Heather mentioned that, actually. How come? I don't know. I just am. Okay. Because she kind of likes Paul? She likes looking at Paul. I don't know if she like likes Paul... <laughs> Uh, otherwise, but... Okay. And I've just embarrassed Heather. (laughs) (laughs) And then we got a message from Janice. She says her favorite moment was when Kira meets Kasima, and Kasima gives Kira the science lesson. The relationship between the two of them was just so sweet. And she likes their scene later, too, where Kira wakes up Kasima and gives her Professor Duncan's book and all that. Yes, and I liked she described it as the geek monkey and the monkey are being perfect together, and they make the ultimate geek monkey family picture. <laughs> yes. The the two monkeys of the family. Yes. <laughs> yes, those both were very good scenes. There was a the finale I think was great. There was so many good great stuff in the finale. I agree. It was kind of like favorite scenes, huh? The entire finale pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. And then we got from Brian. He mentions, there are plenty of moments, but I have to narrow it down to the Sarah Daniel Helena moment. For some reason, this is hitting most of my pleasure centers of my brain. By the way, he spelled centers T-R-E, which I find really charming because it's British. NEA. Brian Canadian. is Canadian. He's Canadian. I know he is. Because he spells centers that way, and I like it. 
I'm sure I have seen that scene well over a dozen times, and I have an inclination to see it again. So, yeah, that is that is a really great scene. I, I think I, yeah, I listed it on my favorites. I can't remember if Chris did, too. I don't think I did, because you did. Okay, but you like it as well, I know. I do. I love all the Sarah Helena moments, really. <laughs> They're just too many to list, is is the problem. Yeah. And Sally sent us a message about one of her favorite moments from season two. Hey guys, it's Sally. I've been listening to your favorite moments from season two, and I didn't record this in time for the podcast. Sorry about that. But I wanted to share that the moment that has been sticking in my mind, um, it's this visual that keeps coming back to me, is after Helena escapes from the farming Prolethean's compound, and she's climbing up the hill, and then she turns around to look at the burning barn, I just can't get that image out of my mind. It keeps coming back to me. There were so many great moments in season two, but that's the one, that the visual that keeps coming back to me. And I think it's because she had been so ill-treated by all of the Prolethians that I really had been rooting for her to get back at them, basically. I agree. They deserved it. Henrik deserved it anyway. And um, so that was Helena striking back. And... You know, I think I had told you before that her character reminded me a little bit of River Tam from Firefly. And just like River had her own big cathartic moment when she killed all the Reavers, this was the same. This was the moment that I had been hoping for, and it was very viscerally satisfying. And thanks for sending that in, Sally. And from the Josh Vokey interview, Jacqueline left a comment. She says, I am such a caffeine shipper, but I would like to see something more between Scott and Kasima. Which I thought was interesting. I didn't know there were kind of maybe secret Scott and Kasima shippers. That, that's my thing, too. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess my stance on it, which is maybe clear from the actual interview, but I love what their relationship is right now, where it's platonic friendship <laughs> mm -hmm. and like people genuinely caring about each other because there just isn't enough of it on tv and i get all worked up about it every time i talk about it and it's probably driving stephanie crazy and or she thinks it's hilarious i don't know <laughs> no i agree with you i i like seeing i like seeing scott and kasima having such a great platonic friendship i think it's a really great element of of their relationship the fact that they are such good buddies yes but at the same time I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed if if Scott and Kasima got snugglier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I wouldn't hate it depending on how they did it, but again, I just there's such a a lack of especially men and women characters being friends on television. Right. And I love it when they do it right. Yeah, it's like it's like men and women can't be friends. They can only date or like the friendship is only a precursor to the dating and Yes, men and women can be friends, darn it. That's one of one of the things that I like about elementary. Yes, me too. But we're talking about Orphan Black. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brian also sent in kind of an interesting clip from the talk show The Talk, which is one of those talk shows kind of like The View, where it's a bunch of women, different women sitting around sharing their opinions on on things. And they were talking about Geraldo Rivera apparently made some comments about women bringing youth to marriage. In other words, they make babies. And uh, the talk women apparently were very upset. 
And Brian sent in a clip where Aisha Tyler basically was ranting and mentioned thinking of what does he just think of women like brood mares? And so Brian was like, does Aisha Tyler watch Orphan Black? <laughs> I would not be surprised if she does. I wouldn't either. Also, shout out to Aisha Tyler. Not that she's listening, but she's also another podcaster. She has a, a podcast called Girl on Guy. And if you have not read her book, you should read her book because it's very, it's very entertaining. I listened to the audiobook version that she read and I would recommend listening to it that way if you can. But yes, Aisha Tyler is, and I say this in the best possible way. She's a nerd. She is. She likes the uh, genre stuff and video games and whatnot. So I would not be surprised if she does watch Orphan Black. I wouldn't either. I like Aisha Tyler. I've liked Me her too. ever since she was the host on Blind Date really, really late at night on like Channel 21 or 33 or something like that here in the Dallas area. I was going to say, people that do not know what that is, Stephanie. I know. 21 or 33 doesn't mean anything. It might have been 27. I don't know. But it was one of those like... <laughs> It was one of those UHF channels. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Blind Date at all? No? I don't think so. Okay. It was a terrible, terrible reality type show, but she was very entertaining. What year was this, out of curiosity? Oh, no, she was on the fifth wheel. That's what it was. What year was it? I don't know. Early 2000s. Oh, okay. Not Blind Date. It was fifth wheel. Excuse me. And from Kazuo... We got a message, a really cool message, actually. Yes, this was probably, not that we don't love all the feedback, but this one was like really, wow, I had no idea. That's awesome. Well, because it wasn't in response to anything, so I don't think either of us like saw this coming. Anyway. Right. But it's talking about the various, you know, sort of inside jokes within, especially the second season, you know, there's all this stuff about the puppy and all this sort of thing. But Kazuo mentioned the phrase clone jail, which of course is Kasima's lab. Kasima makes some comment about how they're putting her in clone jail. And so apparently the exterior shots of the building that houses Kasima's lab actually used to be a jail in the Riverdale neighborhood of Toronto. So that was actually kind of cool. So it actually used to be the primary, let's see, a facility that served as the primary jailhouse for the city of Toronto for more than a century. It was shut down a number of years ago and was recently acquired by Bridgepoint Health and renovated into the administrative wing for the hospital. Incidentally, the primary hospital building for Bridgepoint Health serves as the exterior for the new dyad wing and the interior for both Helena's reappearance at the end of 201 and the facility where Kira undergoes her procedure in 209. So thank you for sharing that with us, because we would have had no idea. And that's some really cool information. I, I always like actually to know about the different locations that they use on TV shows. Because we are super nerds. Yes, we are. And then we got a comment from Claire a asking for us to do some speculation. So we'll try to speculate, though I'm no good at it. My question for season three is, do you think there will be a love triangle between Sarah, Paul, and Cal? Season one made it seem like Sarah and Paul were a couple, but then Rachel came into the picture and Sarah and Paul were no more. What do you think, Chris? You go first. I actually already emailed Claire back about this. Oh, okay. So, so what did you say? <laughs> I said that, you know, I have no idea what they're going to do because it's this show and who knows, really. But I, it kind of seems to me like Sarah is sort of not really interested in Paul anymore. 
I don't think she completely doesn't care or anything, but I think it's any relationship they had, you know, Sarah has kind of moved on to Cal, you know? And as you and I have mentioned, we we like the relationship between Sarah and Cal. It seems pretty genuine, I think. And of course, there's the involvement of Kira being his daughter and everything. So there's there's stuff going on in that relationship beyond whatever it is between them. Anyway, I, I think Paul is still kind of interested in Sarah, though. Or at least that's yeah. the impression that we got at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. So... I guess it kind of depends on what your definition of a triangle is, because one leg of that triangle seems kind of one-sided. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of at the same place. I'm not entirely sure if Sarah's still interested in Paul, though pa- Paul seems to maybe be still interested. So we'll see. There could be love triangle potential, but given that Paul seems to have been absorbed back into the military it's quite possible he and sarah won't have a heck of a lot of contact next season so i don't know right and i don't think there's necessarily any need for them to be romantically involved to keep paul relevant to the story you know right right especially now that the they have helena so right i mean there is the new aspect of the story with the introduction of project caster the caster project yeah for sure. So yeah. And then we got some voicemails from Dawson, who finally sent them. Thank you, Dawson. So here are a couple of stories from Dawson's weekend with Clone Club at San Diego Comic Con. Hello, it's Dawson again, leaving some tales of going to the Orphan Black meetup in San Diego at Comic-Con. I didn't actually go to Comic-Con, just to the meetup and then to the Nerd HQ panel. And uh, the meetup was absolutely lovely. Standing in line was spectacular. Jenna, your rock socks, played music, and everybody dressed up, and just the most social sort of line you could possibly ask for. And then, of course, getting inside was quite spectacular. Themed drinks and trivia, and the Glendale Community Theater definitely getting its acting on. Very good times. And then, of course, the cast surprising everybody, which was really lovely. It was lovely to, to see everyone and to see how grateful and, and um, respectful the fan base is towards these actors. Um, it was such a good time. It's so great to meet so many people who I know through Tumblr and other places. Um, just a really, really lovely meetup. Big shout-outs to Obi Tumblr, who I got to meet, who are lovely human beings and uh, have really gifted us with a lot of really wonderful times, including the meetup. So very, very good times, and um, definitely really grateful to the show and social media team for putting that together. So one more tale from Comic-Con. Had a really lovely experience at the Nerd HQ panel, actually before the panel, in the line. Great line story, where essentially we had a bunch of people who had lined up apparently a little bit too early, and the Nerd HQ staff came out to tell us we couldn't be lined up that early, and uh, they were very nice, but uh, very firm that, that we couldn't be lined up. And so they kind of said, you know, if you want to manage your own line because we can't manage you, um, we don't have anyone to watch the line right now, you can go self-manage a line sort of behind some umbrellas. And it was um, really cool just how Clone Club is so respectful of one another that we literally had 50 people who all walked in order in a line about 20 feet away and uh, set ourselves up in our own self-managed line. And um, I think there were some good jokes about how capable we are of monitoring ourselves. Um, we have such good examples in Paul and Delphine and, and Donnie 
and uh, just had a nice sort of self-managed line, and everybody was very respectful, and when the announcement was finally made, we all kind of calmly made our way over to, to get tickets in order, and uh, just a really kind of clone club at its finest, really beautiful moment, and um, really proud to be part of clone club in that moment. So I just thought I'd share that story from the Nerd HQ panel. And thanks to Dawson for sending those in. Actually, can I tell a story before we wrap it up? No, yes. <laughs> so I've only really been a couple of times, but I've, start, I've started going to pub trivia with a group of my friends who've been doing pub trivia for a really long time. So they know, like, everything, practically. And then I will sometimes try to help them come up with question answers for questions that they don't know. But mostly what I do is I suggest the answer to questions is really Tatiana Maslany. And I know they're probably getting sick of me doing this, but I'm not going to stop because it's always funny to me. (laughs) You nerd. I know. (laughs) You know, actually, I knew the answer to this one. The first time I made the joke, I thought it was pretty funny. The question was something like, who did Louis Armstrong, what character did Louis Armstrong play? in some 1953 film, and I was like, Tatiana Maslany. (laughs) And I just like the idea of Louis Armstrong trying to play Tatiana Maslany. Anyway, I'm not going to stop Nerd Rage. That's the name of the trivia team. I'm not going to stop Nerd Rage. I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) Really? The trivia team's name is Nerd Rage? It is. Excellent. I know. (laughs) So I didn't get to go to San Diego Comic-Con. But I did go to pub trivia (laughs) and make Tatiana Maslany jokes. It was almost as good. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. The downside is that no one else there probably appreciates it as much as the crowd at San Diego would have. I know. There's a couple of people there who watch Orphan Black, but they're just kind of like, no. (laughs) That's not funny. (laughs) But it is. It's funny. I appreciate my humor. Nobody does. <laughs> oh, dear. So thank you to everybody who sent in that feedback. We really appreciate it. So feel free to send us any feedback you would like on our episode content. We really like to hear your thoughts. You can send that to feedback at com, or you can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 43. You can also send us a voice message by clicking on the Send Voicemail tab on the right-hand side of the website. We are on Twitter, at TIE Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. And we'd like to thank everybody who's left us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate those. If you're inclined to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, there are links to do so at tatianaiseveryone.com slash support. Also on that page, there are links to our Zazzle store, where we've got some neat stuff with our logo on it as well as some fun, silly stuff, so you might want to check that out. And this week, both Clone Jail and obscure syndicated reality shows that Stephanie was into (laughs) were played by Tatiana Mislani. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 